Hello, I'm Caroline Hansen, and this is Love Parent Love, the podcast. Each episode, I invite my guests to talk about their conscious parenting journey. I ask them to share their stories, experiences and insights, because it's through stories that we learn from one another, and we begin to feel less isolated. My intention is to change the world through parenting, to encourage parents to understand the behavioural challenges of their children so they can develop emotional maturity and create a harmonious family dynamic together. My mission for this podcast is to share the conscious parenting stories of others in order that we can better support one another. Parenting in times of stress can feel desperate and isolated. Conscious parenting is a modern parenting paradigm and as such, it can feel very lonely. It's my hope that these podcasts embolden you to build your conscious parenting toolbox and nourish you to accept and cherish your child and your own chisel. So welcome to this podcast and my guest today is Nadia Rafat. So Nadia, welcome and thank you for talking to me here on my podcast, Love Parent Love. As, as I have, you have four little beans or not so little beans anymore. And um, and so I invite you to share your story wherever you want to start, wherever you want to go. And I'll pass it over to you and I'll stop talking now. Okay, well, thank you. Um, where to begin? Well, actually, um, we can begin with our connection because our connection kind of um, brings us to the beginning, although not quite. As you say, we go back... 17 or 18 years and we go back to our nursery school for our firstborns and our firstborns well your firstborn is now nearly 20 I'm guessing and mine is nearly 19 mine's about to turn 19 and I can remember I've got a memory of you and I standing on Battersea Rise and I was figuring out uh, the whole co-sleeping thing, because my son was still in my bed with me. My, you know, my two and a half year old was still in my bed, and I just had a new baby, and I was struggling with that whole issue. And I remember having a conversation with you about it, and you were parenting in a different way to me. And you, I, I don't remember exactly what you said. But it was this real kind of, we looked at each other, we were both having our, 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 our issues, our struggles, but we were aware that we were doing, doing things in very different ways. That's right. And I, at the time, I remember uh, feeling very alone in my parenting style because it was uh, attachment mothering, which was what I was doing, hadn't yet exploded. It hadn't yet become the big thing that it became about eight years later. Yeah. And if we rewind a little further to that first birth itself, actually, the I had no clear plan about how I was going to parent. The only strong directive I had while I was pregnant with that first baby, was that I was going to breastfeed. And I knew that deeply and, and, and emphatically 
because I felt with my body uh, that I had suffered from a lack of touch and a lack of physical connection, as had all my own siblings, wow. uh, through a mother that did not breastfeed us and uh, two parents that did not really touch or hold mm-hmm. uh, us at all. Yeah. And, uh, and that had given rise to this real clarity that no matter what happened, breastfeeding was happening. Yeah. There, was no, there was no discussion about it. There was no room for um, an alternative. And of course, that first, you know, my son was, he ended up being breech. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this a little bit, as you know. Um, sure, uh, yeah. Uh, he ended up being breech, and I attempted to labour because I had a um, I had a deep seated belief in the normalcy of childbirth. This is what people do; just get on with it. Yeah. But of course, he was a breech presentation, and it was twenty years ago. And even today, nobody wants to uh, know. Uh, very few doctors want to support breech labours, and so despite my uh, naive intention, the reality was I couldn't cope with the labour, mm-hmm. cope with the pressure. And so he, he ended up being uh, 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 delivered by cesarean section, you know, halfway through the labour. I think I got to about five centimetres, which actually I can see was pretty good. Yeah. But, uh, but I had no, I had done no education. I had no preparation. I was, for most of it, I was alone in, in a hospital a long way from home uh, with this pregnancy that had I'd gone into labour at 37 weeks whilst out of London. So it was all very dramatic. And I did feel very alone, yeah. frightened, yeah, and not able to cope. And so I ended up with this cesarean section. And I remember crying as I went into the operating theatre. I felt like, you know, I felt, as as many women do, I felt that I'd failed. I felt that I had let myself down, let my baby down. All these kind of deep, uh, uncomfortable, difficult feelings. And so, but once that baby was handed to me, I just, that was it. Of course, I locked in and that maternal instinct, uh, which can be so strong, uh, was activated and uh, on he went. You know, he came out rooting to the left and rooting to the right, (laughs) one side and then the other, and then latched on. And that was it. And so from that moment, it was really almost instinctive this attachment parenting style <laughs> and it was but it was also compounded by a book that I had read I had one I was 30 years 31 when I gave birth and so I only had one friend at the time who had given birth ahead of me and actually she was an incredible inspiration and resource and support to me and she had given me, she she lived in North North London, so I hardly ever saw her, but she sent me uh, remedies and uh, tips, and she sent me my first sling. And she also had given me a book called The Continuum Concept, mm-hmm. which I had read. That was the one book I had read uh, during the pregnancy. 
And in this book, it's a, it's a classic. Well, maybe you know it. It's a classic mm-hmm. in kind of baby yoga and postnatal yoga. Um, but the writer, an American uh, anthropologist, she goes to live with uh, the uh, an indigenous uh, tribe in in South America, and she learns their ways, and she learns how they parent, and she learns how they approach relationship, and. Uh, it, you know, it, she compares it to the way that we parent in the West. And I mean, I read the book uh, 20 years ago, but the take home was this kind of, you know, babies live with their mothers, uh, baby-led uh, mothering as opposed to, in, you know, forcing schedules. And at the time, it was Gina Ford. I mean, Gina Ford was everywhere. Oh, I think yes. you were influenced by Gina Ford. I was her. hugely influenced by her. Yes, we'll come to that in a moment, though. Yes, go ahead. So that's what I meant about the opposition. So no, there totally. I was. You were doing the whole, like most, were doing so many of the mothers at that time were doing Gina Ford because she was the number one parenting book that everybody was buying. Yeah. And, and I was doing the exact opposite mm-hmm. uh, there were no books about it except by some Americans. <laughs> they were certainly not on the bookshelves. Um, Facebook didn't exist. <laughs> there were no communities and no support. No, none. So it was, I did feel very isolated, especially, I mean, it had all been wonderful. It had all gone very smoothly. I wore my baby in my sling. We hung out by the fire, Angus and I, with our little baby, sleeping first on his chest and then on mine and he slept in between us on the bed and we both looked at him with adoring eyes and it was all heaven and and I breastfed him you know as and when and I remember even after the difficulty of the pregnancy because the pregnancy was an unplanned pregnancy and of course the birth I had gone in with uh, expect naive expectations and no no resourcing, mm-hmm. no no support either at the time. Angus got there eventually, but um, and so the birth had been difficult, and then after that, you know, we were just like, this is easy, this is lovely, <laughs> you know. We had such a difficult definitely. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was. You know, uh, it was Angus and I and little baby Rowan on the rug by the fire. Yes. He was a winter baby. We just stayed there for 12 weeks, you know, that <laughs> Esther, having a lovely time. And we read, we sat on the sofa and we read this beautiful book together. And it was, it was, it was such a healing time. Sounds amazing. And um, and then, uh, you know, th- there were no challenges. It was just pure bliss until I became pregnant again. And then I started to face challenges. And the first challenge was uh, there's a new baby coming and I'm still breastfeeding. And we've only got one bed and we've only got a one-bedroom flat. <laughs> so what do we do? <laughs> so... Uh, Beyond before, you know, before that, I had to get past the um, the challenge of childbirth number two because, of course, I had all this trauma actually about the first birth and being alone and being frightened and being overwhelmed by incredibly powerful sensations that I couldn't cope with. And so, by that stage, I'd also I'd also trained as a yoga teacher. So, in that two year gap. I had become a yoga teacher. Oh, and I'd, taken, 
I'd taken Rowan, I'd taken him to the teacher training with me. And we lived on an ashram together, he and I, for one month. Wow. Yeah. And it was, again, that was also, I mean, it was very challenging as well, because obviously I was the only you know, group of 60. I was the only one with, with a baby who was still breastfeeding. So, you know, that, that, that presented with all sorts of challenges. But I had the support of my mum, who was around at that time. She came for two weeks. My mother-in-law came up for two weeks and, you know, we just made it through and it was brilliant. And then I became pregnant for the second time. And it was really, as I say, this kind of oh, turning point, probably at around six months when I just realized that I needed to really embrace this birth. And You're about six months pregnant. Yeah, yeah, get myself ready, get myself ready. And and I did. And it was really then that I started the journey of pregnancy yoga. And I um, I had been very unsupported by the hospital uh, in London now. I've given birth in Portsmouth the first time. Very unsupported. I wanted to have a VBAC. I wanted to try for birth again. And they, I was being told I had to go to the labor ward I had to be constantly monitored I couldn't use the birthing pool you know it was just restriction 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 in place and I just knew that there was no way that I was going to be able to birth like that in that time by that time I'd already lost my father who died in hospital in the time between the babies I'd lost a friend who died in hospital hospitals already put me on edge yeah. And here they were telling me that, you know, my scar might rupture, my baby might die, um, I'd need to be tied up to a machine, I wouldn't be able to have any of the uh, accoutrements that bring comfort. And I just felt despair. Yeah. And I discovered independent midwifery. And fear, presumably, as well, at the same time, right? All in the oh, background, that's oh, the noise. Yeah. Every time I went to an appointment, Mm. all I received back was fear. And this kind of clinical, you know, procedure of birth. Yeah. It was not a... I was being encouraged to to, uh, attempt the VBAC, what they called very clearly at that time, trial of scar. So your your female experience of giving birth was reduced to this trial of scar <laughs> i mean it's outrageous it's incredible uh, right it's all, i remember this very clearly my own experience having had a, a cesarean my first and wanting yeah. a v-back for my second absolutely totally nadia yeah. and so at that point i discovered independent midwifery and i, I had a meeting with annie francis yeah lovely you... annie francis wow <laughs> And at first I was just meeting her to kind of have a discussion. But it became so apparent in that first meeting that here was this brave, independent midwife who was working outside the system, who chosen to work outside the system because she deliberately, because she disagreed disagreed so vehemently with this uh, uh, clinical, cold approach towards women and uh, she said, oh, yeah, no, there's no problem. I deliver VBACs all the time. I, but I support women in VBAC births all the time. She didn't use the word deliver at all. Um, where 
where the obstetricians at St. George's gave me fear, she gave me hope and confidence. Yeah. And just, yeah, I said, I'm, 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 I'm leaving. I'm going to have a home birth. And I tried to get a home birth on the NHS. And at the time, it really wasn't done. You couldn't do a VBAC on the NHS at home. It's called an H. And they just said such terrible things to me. You know, they said I would be airlifted to hospital with a dying baby, that I was deeply irresponsible, that I was risking the death of my child. I mean, every time I went for a meeting, and I at the time I would naively go to these meetings because I thought I had to. Um, And every time I went, I would come back feeling disempowered, crushed, frightened, irresponsible. And then I found Annie. And as I said, where they gave me fear, Annie gave me strength. And I just started preparation intensive. I did yoga every week with the incredible yoga teacher, Ingrid Lewis, who, again, she just week in, week out, she gave me confidence. And you know, as a VBAC, you need it so much because you have not succeeded. And so that is your experience. That is your template. And there's a huge noise as well in the background again about, uh, as well around failure, personal failure, that you've let yourself down, you've let your body down, your body's let you down, you've let your baby down. It's a huge, huge story that I certainly carried. Was that your experience as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Fear and guilt and shame. Yeah. Guilt and shame. Huge shame, yeah. Because, we're, because we are hardwired for this stuff. You know, we've got an ancient brain and that ancient brain carries the birthing knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a modern brain and our particular, especially our the last hundred years of our collective memory mm-hmm. is the memory of women not being able to birth. So, of course, loads of women have this fear. But deep down, you know, we all know that our bodies do this. I mean... There are 7 billion people on this planet. We've got 2 million people on this planet. You know, and they've all been born of a woman. <laughs> so, except, you know, I think that we've got one, we've recently, uh, one uh, one man has succeeded in giving birth last year, as I, as I do believe. But other than that, they've all been born of women. And, um, yeah, so that was it. And, you know, sh- Annie gave me strength. Ingrid gave me strength. I went to see a hypno uh, hypnotherapist, and at the time, the hypnobirthing movement hadn't even started, yeah. <laughs> but there was hypnotherapy. It was just beginning. Yeah. Mary Marie Mongan had written her book in the states. So it was just coming through this new way of uh, um, birthing, and I did it all. And Caroline, I had, and I felt really connected to my son. We're going to do this. Yeah. We can do this. And I had the most, remember I had all this negativity around me still, right up to giving birth. I've got to, I should come in, I must come into hospital. And I, I, I had the most beautiful birth and I gave birth to my son at home on the floor. And, and I, you know, and I can remember saying I did it. And in that moment, it is such a healing for women when they, when they give birth. You know, you heal, you heal however many births you've had before. And I know I've had women who've got that successful V back the third time round or even the fourth time round. Wow. It doesn't matter. But when it, you know, when it happens in that moment, 
it's like everything falls into place. Everything's okay. It's done. It comes, all that energy that needed to come through has come through. And it was, it was profound. It was so beautiful. I'm really, up. I'm really moved. It's so, it's how beautiful that you, like you say, you were able to heal in that moment and to, that, that you'd surrounded yourself by this amazing group of strong individuals who were standing as your advocates and as your wall of strength, your pillars of strength, and that you were digging so deeply within yourself to tune in to what was right for you as a woman, as a mother, as, as you moved through your parenting journey. So you were, I mean, this is the original <laughs> conscious parenting, right? Right at that beginning, you were utterly enveloped in it amazing amazing and I you know I noticed my story alongside yours which you referred to at the beginning and my in in uh, intention at the beginning before when I was first pregnant to give birth naturally to get I even had a water um, pool in my parents house it's a long old story but I'll go into that another time and my intention and to breastfeed and breastfeed didn't work out for me and then my second wasn't a VBAC and my kind of and as I did that, I stepped away from myself. When all of these moments, I was stepping away from the truth of what I really, truly wanted to do and found myself moving into, as you say, the Gina Ford movement. Ah, I look back at that now and I think, wow, how did I get so far away from what I really wanted, which was moments by the fireplace, <laughs> reading books and truly tuning into what I wanted as a parent as a mother as a as a woman so that was the start that was really was the start of your conscious parenting journey and you know as you say there were moments at the time where you had adjusted away from it you were shifted away from it and you came back and you kept coming back and that's the that's the challenge right of this journey that's the challenge of it we get shifted away from it and as the children get older and people have opinions and you listen to the noise around you, like the cultural noises you're talking about, the Gina Ford cultural noise, I was listening into that rather than coming back to myself. Yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. And I and I do feel deeply blessed. I really do. And I, I was very blessed to find the people that I found. Yeah. Um, because the people that I found were really strong women you know I was lucky I was flanked by you know those were my angels those were my guides yeah. and they were women who were rooted in those alternative beliefs they weren't just kind of uh discovering them they were really grounded yeah. and rooted and so and you know the contrast between these powerful strong women I mean Annie was also herself a a mother of four who gave birth to two breech babies at home. Did she? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, and I and, and Ingrid, you know, she was uh, an anthropologist and working in the Amazon as well, and you know, teaching a really kind of deep yoga and you know, deep, deeply grounded. Well, the ancient insight that she'd have got from that experience as well, right? Yeah, so I just, and this, this um, in the end, it's like, you know, you can teach all the techniques in the world that you like, but it's, 
it's deeper than that. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's it goes down to that, that spiritual support. I've got you. Yeah. Because <laughs> even in that birth, and in every birth that I've subsequently attended as a doula, and I've attended over fifty, um, I've never not seen a wobble including my own you know I can remember having that moment thinking oh I don't think I can do this this is this is too hard it's just because it's not easy labor is it it's no walk in the park that's for sure it's a rite of passage it's designed to take us to the edge of our experience and we have to let go and if you haven't got the means in which to let go and something to let go to, then it's it's just so scary. I mean, people use the language. They say, "I felt like I was going to die." Yeah. I felt that I was going that I that I could that I was going to die. It's well known. Lots of women communicate this. Uh, you know, they use superlative words. They use it's a superlative words. experience, though, right? Of course, it is. It's life and death. It's the death of the maiden and the birth of the mother. And unfortunately, our culture, and particularly of the last 20 years, you know, when Gina Ford was in the ascent, now we've got this new kind of feminine spirituality rising. We have much more available in the community for women who want to, to really find themselves and sit in themselves and feel that power. But back then, you know, um, the, the, the resources were much uh, less and the big cultural norm was, it was all about control, mm-hmm. technique, technique. So, um, but, but, you know, it's not only, sorry, my, my, uh, I'm just, closing programs because they're pinging away um i uh that birth and and the, first, the two births the, the story of those two births and at the time i was a journalist and i wrote about it for the times yeah. and it was that interesting to have an h back that you know they published the story the story of the two births um and but it it also set me off on my course which was to become a you know, uh, I mean, as I say, I was a yoga teacher, but I took a strong right curveball, as you know, and went deeply into pregnancy and birth and became a doula as well. And it was that, um, it was that, uh, it, it stemmed from that seed of, oh my God, you know, women need, they need support, they need that resourcing in pregnancy. Yeah. And they need that support during the birth itself. And then, of course, on the other side, now we can see postpartum, one in 10 women have depression, postnatal depression. They need it on the other side. Society lets mothers down. Well, it's not just postnatally. It's the it's many years later, I think. Yeah. There's, you know, the pressure, the cultural pressure, the... Um need for conformity the well, the lack of community essentially that's the part that's really missing mm. i feel really strongly in the story that you've just told you reminded me of a wonderful moment when you supported me and held me so firmly that i was able in turn do you remember this 
to yes, support a friend of mine who gave birth very unexpectedly in her front room, surrounded by baths and showers and saying, the baby can't come. I haven't finished doing my renovation. <laughs> and I called you and I said, no, dear, I need you right now, please. And you talked her through. And I don't, yes, it's reminded me of that moment, which it was such a significant and pivotal and important moment for me. Um, and it's reminded me of how you were there and you did exactly that. You got this. You can do this to both of us and to and to the father of the baby as well at the same time. So, yes, as I'm reminded of it, I need to say, wow, thanks. Thank you. I've said yes. it before, but I say it again, really heartfelt. And it is. It's so those moments are so powerful, aren't they? Because mm. then you you held her and you were with her and held her in that space. And But I'd never I, I, all my four children have been born by cesarean section. Yeah. So I've never had um, a vaginal birth. Mm. I've held babies. I know what to do, you know, and, uh, you know, but there was something in the presence of me that was guided through the presence of you in that moment that was able to support her. She'd had her own two um, vaginal births already. Mm. So, yeah, quite something, quite mm. something, right? It, 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 I, you know, I'm 15 years down this path now and I just endlessly endlessly fascinates me it, uh, uh, it's particularly the pregnancy and birth aspect although as well the postnatal but for me it's because that birth is such a rite of passage it's such a an experience that is out of sync with the modern world yeah and yet it's such an important experience and it's it's such an important experience for women and I find that recently actually I've become much more vocal about uh, um, really encouraging uh, women to you know have home births uh, move away from hospitals altogether I am now firmly of the belief that if you're a low-risk pregnancy and you've got no health complications actually you shouldn't be in a hospital low-risk normal birth does not belong in hospital. And I know that's quite a radical statement, but lots of birth workers, doulas and teachers will agree with me. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, it is uh, the whole setup of hospital is uh, in opposition to what is needed for uh, childbirth. Yeah. So referring, if I can, you back to your conscious parenting journey, yeah. And specifically then, and having tuned in as deeply as you did with what your body needed and what your children needed when they were tiny and the attachment parenting um, approach, have you then found that it's just followed that as the children have grown up, and of course I don't invite you to, to, to go into any specifics, but have you found that as they've grown up, you've been able then to, to drop into who they are and into accepting who they are in all of their wonderful facets of that. So in their challenging and their less challenging times. Um, I suppose for me, the, the uh, you know, there have been period, attachment, attachment style parenting is only really relevant for the first, let's say the first five years. Mm -hmm. 
although you know there are a, a minority of parents who are still feeding and co-sleeping at that age but certainly that wasn't the case for me and um you know once so and of course school starts at five so I have the, the challenges that I faced, and there have definitely been challenges along the way, um, have been um, around boundaries. And as you know, I ran that attachment uh, mothering support group for many years. And, um, and I ran that group because I set up that group because at the time there was nothing around and um and so uh you know it was a, a pretty dynamic group for many years and by the time I closed it at the end of my fourth child once my fourth child uh, was about four years old and I I was I moved out of that phase it was really a letting go of the intensity of um attachment uh parenting but, or, or attachment mothering, but it is, it was parenting because Angus was very much on board with it. You know, he was happy to have the kids in our bed. We bought an emprise bed so, um, so that, you know, we could, all, we could all sleep in there. But the reality is, of course, that, you know, sleep is compromised, intimacy is compromised, mm-hmm. uh, breastfeeding, weaning is much, uh, uh, much more challenging. And so it, when you are doing something like that in an environment where everyone's doing something else, then you, you start to feel uh, you start to feel that you're compromised. But of course, if, if it were normal, then everybody would be getting on with it. Yeah. But in a, in a world where sleep coaching is the norm, um, you're kind of going into sleep with your baby a couple of times a night because they're used to suckling on your breast to go back to sleep. You know, you start to feel that you're that you're being compromised, that you pull the short straw. But by that stage, I was I, I was immersed enough in that world to know and to understand that the rules of uh, um, uh, non-attachment parenting were very different to the you know, to the expectations a mother who's following a more baby-led style of parenting. Uh, should be you know ready for um and so i think that you know practical things like stopping tandem feeding when the toddler you know when when baby number two came along was deeply challenging um and you know my feelings of uh having to endure that which i'm sure many mothers feel when they want to stop breastfeeding they're not quite sure how yeah can be a difficult period and then as I say issues around boundaries and self-care I know that's something that's very dear to your heart too in the work that you do because one of the things I realized as I ended my time running this group was that most of the mothers in the group had boundary issues they just didn't that they struggled to care for themselves. They struggle to find their own identity in their mothering. It's like their mothering was so altruistic. It was so full-time that the woman got lost. And that's very true for me as well. You know, the woman 
because I was not only was I mothering four children, but also my work was mothering. In you know, in every way, whether it was attending a birth, preparing for birth, dealing with postnatal mothers, baby yoga, you know, it was all mothering. Mother, 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 woman. <laughs> Where's she? Where is she gone? <laughs> <laughs> and so that was what came up. I'm sure. Me. And I'm you know, in the attachment style of parenting with co-sleeping, there's levels of sleep deprivation that you reach right and that of course brings a huge question mark because you question everything yeah so that's really really then hard to stay in tune with what yeah what you want to do what you what you feel what you instinctively feel to do especially if you're surrounded by a different voice on a regular basis yeah and the sleep deprivation thing is a is a tricky area i do believe because again, it, it comes back to the cultural norms and the cultural expectations. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much sleep coaching around and this, 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 this expectation that babies should sleep through the night. Mm-hmm. Some babies do, some babies don't. And I'm not talking about uh, attachment uh, uh, style sleep situations either. You know, babies in cots in the other room just never settle. Yeah. Babies in the bed never settle. Some settle and sleep right through. Yeah. So yeah. there is no one size fits all policy, and any kind of uh, any kind of book or program that suggests there is, I feel, is deeply unhelpful. Yeah. And um, and there does seem to me to be. Uh, a lot of confusion around uh, sleep and how babies sleep and then therefore should you be getting sleep and is it all about you know we become so obsessed with the stories that we have around sleep and not just our own personal stories but our cultural stories it's it's pure kind of mindfulness here is needed uh to what's needed what did you say to filter out the noise, both the collective noise, the cultural noise yeah. around sleep, this book here, this expert here, this program here, and then our own stories around sleep. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Having this thought all the time, I'm so tired. It becomes almost like self-conditioning. Mm-hmm. And there's such a kind of disconnect. You just hypnotize yourself with the story that you're so tired. Yeah. And again, uh, you know, our, our, our cultural habits around sleep and our expectations around sleep combined with this collective noise and then the, the you know, the, the self-conditioning that you're, you know, that you are, that you have a lack of sleep, that you constantly reinforce and it's all so unhelpful because the reality is that in that first year, you meet your baby's needs. Yeah. And you meet your baby's needs however they are, you know, with the baby that you get. Some women get babies that are content and sleep through. Some women get babies with terrible gastric sensitivity cry, you know, for hours on end and bring them to their knees. You can't get rid of the baby. You still have to meet the baby. Yes. 
do your best. And of course, it's that's when the resourcing and the support comes in. And that's where the community, yeah, the lack of community causes so much pain, right? Yeah. Because then, then what comes in is, oh, well, that baby's sleeping and mine's not. There must be something wrong with me or with my baby. <laughs> so nothing wrong, right? Yeah. It's a sense of surrender that we find very hard to do. Or we find it hard to surrender to anything in this speed of this life and this modern day, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah. particularly this, which is such a natural thing to surrender to, right? What does my baby need from me right now? What does my child need from me? What does my teenager need from me right now? such a difficult yeah. thing to go and at the same time as you so rightly point out maintain boundaries too yeah how do those things so complicated to work out right and it's different for each person it, yes and, and, uh, and the problem you know the problem is that we're constantly trying to fix things yes we are, we yeah, are there's, so. a, there's a problem there's a problem who says there's a problem yeah you know, we, because again, we have these really narrow constraints, these really narrow kind of tunnel perspectives on, on parenting. And if you're not conforming, uh, and they can be, uh, uh, again, just depending on subcultures, you know, the subcultural context that you're in, they can become even more narrow. Um, and if you're not conforming, there's often a problem, and then the problem needs fixing. And of course, you're in this you're in this cycle of problem fixing, failing to fix, or perhaps fixing. Who knows? And it's it it there's no yeah there's no allowing in it. And there's there's no also, yeah, and I think also um, as a parent, we make an assumption that the fixing is the job that we have that we're supposed to fix everything and actually that's very much what we need to move away from to ah there's a difficulty here the difficulty needs to be supported rather than it needs to be fixed right we run yeah. into I, i've come to believe uh uh that actually you know in the end i mean they always say i'm sure it's true for you as well you know the fourth child basically just brings themselves up <laughs> and you know, they, I I've really come to believe if children just bring themselves up. Mm -hmm. It will be who they will be, and yes, of course, they'll be shaped by how you know by the con by the family that they're born into, um, and uh, the way that they've been nurtured. But we don't need to be so controlling around them, and uh, I, I I feel like we all need to. Uh, let go a little and trust a little more. You know, it's the same, the same truth, the same, the same control that has ruined childbirth. Yes, I was thinking is ruining in, to some degree. Uh, I mean, it's not state controlled. Well, it is. <laughs> it is increasingly is ruining child raising. Yeah. You know, just let everyone be and and. Uh, let us find our way and let us tap into our instincts and support us, but don't direct us. Mm -hmm. Don't tell us how to raise our children or how they should be. Um, but instead, we need to find our own empowerment. I mean, mother's instinct as well, the maternal instinct. I remember after the birth of Freya, so this was number three, and 
I, I, I think at the time I was, uh, because I used to be a journalist, so I'm, I'm very aware of the influence of writing and articles and uh, I'm very aware and particularly of guidebooks, you know, how to do things. And I, I just thought, I think at the time there had just been a, a, a whole array of new books published on how to, how to mother, how to parent. And I just thought, you know, if you have not got the inner resourcing, you don't know how to be quiet, you don't know how to be still, you don't trust your own guidance, your, your gut, your heart, and you're looking for all the answers in a book, it just leads to so much confusion. I mean, maybe that's what you kind of were pointing towards. You know, in the end, you stopped trusting yourself and you started to trust uh, the words of another. You started to believe because it, the cell is strong. Yeah. Follow me and I'll show you the way. Follow me and I'll show you how to have a happy home and a yes. happy husband and contented children. And of course, if you're vulnerable and you're not sleeping and your partner or your husband is, you know, reaching out to you and you've got no energy and you, 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 you feel lost. And of course, feeling lost is part of the journey. It is. But instead of, instead of having that village around us, that community, uh, maybe some wise women who can guide us, you know, we, instead we go and we buy a book and a guidebook, you know, that, that's kind of being sold on that premise. And often, as with the case of Gina Ford, I mean, that, that, that book, I mean, it worked for many women, but for many other women, it, it sent them down the, you know, it sent them crazy, didn't it? Because they well, it's it, 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 8.35 a.m. or... <laughs> eat your toast, make sure that you do, yeah, all of it. And, and at the time, yes, for me, there was... It, it it supported me at the time, but in hindsight, when I look back at it, it, it didn't completely support me at the time. It gave me something yeah. that I needed um, because I was seeking solutions, as you say. I was looking somewhere else outside of myself to try to find a way through something I was finding very, very challenging. And now yeah. I look back and recognise that had I just been able to settle into my experience and my deep nurturing um, instincts then it would have been very different it would have been a very more grounded and I would reflect back on it without an element of regret which I hold now mm. um, I can't go back and change it sadly but I can see it for what it was at that time yeah but this control that you've referred to quite a few different times with reference to birth with reference to attachment parenting that's that that's the shift right it's letting go of the control rather than controlling it all and wanting it to be in a certain way noticing that even whatever you want it to be it isn't going to be that way it's going to be the way it's going to be and the more we try to stick it into a container the more it tries to push against it right as with all things yeah as with all things i know the resourcing is sorry nadia what were you going to say I was going to say, I know that at the heart of uh, love, parent, love is also presence and awareness. And again, for me, it, you know, it comes back to that. It comes back to growing roots into the earth. 
and into your cell. And that is the, you know, that is the education that we need. It's a, it's a body education. Yeah. It's, it's a way, a, a new way of experiencing yourself so that you can listen. You know, it comes back to boundaries, as I say, so that when you feel, I mean, when you feel tired, when you feel vulnerable, when you feel uh, overwhelmed, all mothers feel those emotions many times, you know, weekly, I would say, in some of those early years, that you, that you are able to either, you know, overwhelm is just simply that. It's exhaustion combined with uh, um, too much processing, there's too much going on, there's more than you can carry. And knowing how to hold yourself with compassion through those moments, yeah. perhaps nothing needs to be fixed. Perhaps you just need to feel it, you know, feel the overwhelm and be kind to yourself in those moments of overwhelm, knowing that they will pass. And then, you know, carry on. Maybe it's, maybe it's an hour. Maybe it's, but of course, then we carry the stories of I'm failing, not doing this right. What do I need to, what do I need to fix? Where's the problem? And it may be that there's something that needs fixing. Um, I was just talking with um, a family member the other day, and she's she's got a little boy, and she's now looking into the whole uh, weaning program. She's, she's practiced attachment parenting, attachment style parenting. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just saying to her, don't do anything yet, just take your time. Feel that you're ready. Mm -hmm. Whether you do it tomorrow or in one month or in one year, it will be challenging. So just know that when you're ready, you know, you're ready to be consistent. You know, you're ready to make the change. Yeah. It's just it's that sense of you know it's not reactive. So that you when you make those decisions, <clears throat> sorry, to change something, it's it's been well thought through yeah. because of course you know big changes like that can impact on little ones can't they but it's about well thought through and it's also tuned in with both you and the child with the you that con that's concerned in the in the change right yeah absolutely yeah i'm aware that um we're coming towards a point where you may need to leave and collect some children <laughs> So <laughs> I've loved this conversation, Nadia. Thank you. Thank you. I think um, there's come some healing with, for me as we've talked as well. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much. When we um, talked about talking today, about the podcast today, I asked you to write a letter mm -hmm. um, to a younger version of you um, before you came a mama as a, mm -hmm. a teaching tool or as a gift, let's say, to, to mamas on the same journey. And if you've got that now, I know that you've written it. Would you mind sharing it? I wouldn't mind at all. And um, I just, I want to say one thing more because it's, it's come up for me quite strongly. And 
again, it was, and it, it kind of closes our conversation quite nicely because it was Annie, my midwife, who said it. And she, as I told you, she's one of four. And she became a midwife, you know, while she had these four children and often lost, lost her temper because she was so tired after long night shifts. And one day, they're all grown up now, and she told me that one day, you know, she, she, um, you know, she said to them, I'm really sorry for all the times that I shouted and uh, all the times that I was short-tempered and that I wasn't here for, for you. And, 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 you know, they all kind of agreed unanimously. They said, don't worry, we always felt your love. We always knew you loved us. And I love that little anecdote because it reminds us again that in the end, that's all that counts. That's so true. We bring our, they, they, they bring themselves up and just as long as there's love there. Yeah. Relationship first, absolutely. Right at the heart of it all. That's beautiful. Yet another little goosebumps down my back. <laughs> Thanks, Nadia. <laughs> Okay, and so, I've got a feeling you're going to do it again to me now as you start to read. So <laughs> go ahead. So here's my here's my letter to myself. Um, it's kind of in bullet points. It's not very poetic, so please forgive. <laughs> forgive the bullet point feel. Don't expect too much of yourself in the beginning. Becoming a mother takes time. Mothering is an art. It's learned on the job, in the field. It's learned in the space between you and your baby, hour after hour, day upon day. Books can help, but they can also confuse. They can take you away from the path you want to be on. Let your baby teach you how to mother. You don't need to get it all right. That's not how mothering works. Mothering is like being. Presence is at the heart of being. It's at the heart of mothering too. Seeing your baby, meeting your baby, inhaling your baby, attuning to your baby so that they feel seen and met. You definitely don't need to be a superwoman. Let the dishes wait. Let the clothes pile up in the laundry basket. New babies and children want you. They don't care whether your house is tidy or not. Savour your postpartum body. You don't need to have a flat belly or muscular thighs. We do women a disservice by obsessing over postnatal bodies and trying to be a superwoman. Please don't expect your child to sleep through the night. They're not meant to. In time, all children sleep through the night. Have patience and trust. Learn to self-regulate yourself. When you self-regulate, your baby will learn it too. You won't feel like a sex goddess for a while. <laughs> it takes space and sleep for that juiciness to return. So educate your partner and honour this phase in your life. Find ways to love and look after each other that nourish rather than undermine and deplete 
further. You won't enjoy motherhood all the time. (laughs) Be kind to yourself in the moments when you don't. Mothers are hardwired to be empathetic and compassionate, but we are also human. Separate behaviours from the person behind them. This will help you to feel your aversion without guilt. We are allowed to have our feelings. They tell us the truth, even when they feel difficult or uncomfortable. We women are amazing. Our bodies birth the world. Our breasts feed the world. And our loving arms have nurtured the world. But we are women too. And even as the mother thrives, Nurture this new powerful woman coming through because she is your future self. End. No words. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. I enjoyed writing it. I got carried away. (laughs) No, I don't think you got carried away at all. I think that you went in all of the little corners and the nooks Mm -hmm. and crannies of motherhood and you yeah articulated it beautifully thank you Nadia no surprise that (laughs) creative spirit within you thank you so much thank you so much I have really enjoyed our conversation and I really look forward to sharing it with others lovely thank you for having me Caroline Take care. Thank you, sweetheart. You can join my Conscious Parenting The Basics course. Booking information is on my website, www.loveparentlove.co.uk. Over four one-and-a-half-hour sessions, I'll share tools and strategies for becoming more present with your children so that relationship is at the core of all you do, including meditation, interactive exercises, videos and reflection work, all of these will combine to build the picture so that you can find your conscious parenting voice. I also throw in a mental health strategy to help you to support yourself and your child. The course is available in group format of no more than eight people or as one-to-one sessions over five one-hour sessions. Do get in touch if you're interested in this. We can chat for just 20 minutes for free and you can decide whether you'd like to work with me further. I hope to hear from you soon.